You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. It is a Tuesday here on Crunch Time. Matt Miguez, James Mesh, and you. Welcome in here on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the Houston Astros and the LSU Tigers. I am holding my World Championship mini bat, and I'm happy about it. What's the total on memorabilia that you've spent so far? That is a number that doesn't need to be discussed. <laughs> Just doesn't need to be discussed. We discussed what I bought at the Globetrotters game. So far to this point. $92. No. Yes, it is. No. No. To this point. 33 How? I have ways. I am a magician. That's... I'm a magician. That's not... No. Yes. You literally said you spent 80 before, and then you just no. bought the pennant for 12 Nope. That is a lie. Not true. You're literally... I didn't spend it, to be fair. Wasn't my money. So there's that. For starters. But I digress. On today's show, it's like a it's like a laser pointer when you're a teacher. You can just point it at you. Anyways. On today's show. You're such a buffoon. We're gonna talk about the Houston Astros with our guy Brian Lalima. We're gonna go to the moon one last time for the 2022 season. We're also going to preview the Eagles of Georgia Southern. And then, well, actually, what we're going to start the show with. Let's get to the poll question first. Is a Saints vent session. 337-706-0111. James mentioned that our poll question of the day is... By what way do the Saints acquire their next quarterback? Do they draft a QB? Will they trade for a QB? Will they sign a vet in free agency? Trading and signing a vet is the same option. Are they already on the roster or other? I don't know how else you would be able to get it. Yeah, I don't know another way. (laughs) <laughs> but, you know, if somebody's got some magical wizardry like I do, I mean, I sh- <laughs> can, you, you can comment on the poll question of the day. I, th- I thought about that after I made it. I was like, uh. So far, 62% say trade slash sign a vet. 37.5% say draft a rookie. It's interesting. Because here's my qu- here's my question. And, and we won't spend a whole lot of time. We'll dive deeper into it later because I really want to get to the conversation about the game last night. Because it's not who do you, because it's not who do you want, or like how do you want them to get their next QB. It's who do you think and how do you think they'll do it. Right, but that but see that's the question that I'm about to ask here is, say let's say you know that you go the free agency route, you sign somebody in the offseason. Jacoby Brissett. Why? He's been solid for the Browns. Does he make you better 
than either a healthy Jameis Winston or Andy Dalton. It's probably the same. So then what's the point? You already have Jameis Winston signed through next year. What's the point? But you see, that's what I'm getting at. Like, okay, so now Jacoby Brissett's off the table. Who are you going to sign? There's nobody available. P.J. Walker? No, thank you. Uh, Maybe the Panthers cut Sam Darnold? Wolf? No, thank you. Or Baker Mayfield? Maybe the... the <laughs> no, thank you. Maybe this... You know, actually, I, I'm going to say something that I think could work. I'm not saying that I want this. I'm saying I think it could work. Maybe you trade for Jordan Love. That's an option. Because at this point, it's either... After the season, it's either... Well, that's the thing is because they, they extended Rodgers. So now, unless now he like, again, retires or something. Let me preface this. I don't want this. I just think that it may work. Could Mitch Trubisky fit in in New Orleans? <laughs> You've gone back to Mitch Trubisky. Could Trubisky and you, and fit were, in New Orleans? And it's funny because you were hating on Trubisky earlier. I don't want him. Correct. I don't think he makes us better. But from a sports analyst perspective, does he work in New Orleans? He does kind of fit the mold of what you kind of want in new age QBs to be able to run and extend plays and take off while also being a nice passer. Because here's here here's my thought process in you know the what the logic behind it. Okay. Mitchell Trubisky would be a perfect bridge quarterback. You sign him to a one-year deal because the Steelers are, are going to look to get rid of him. But that's why. But that's why I'm thinking Jacoby Brissett would be a good one because Jacoby's not the gunslinger like Jameis is. But that's only if you move on from Jameis. Correct. If you move on from Jameis, then I guess yeah, you know, I'd, I'd be fine with Jacoby Brissett. Trubisky, but like you said, he fits the mold for he fits quarterbacks the, nowadays. But that's the thing is... And he buys you a year until you see a much deeper quarterback draft class that the Saints will actually have a first-round pick in. I thought this QB class has been solid. It's solid, but... I think it's definitely a lot better than what it was last year. It is, but you're not going to get one out of the first round. You're going to have to trade in the first round to get one. But you and I had this conversation earlier where you're saying Hendon Hooker is being projected as the sixth QB off the board. But like you said, if five quarterbacks go in the first round, Hendon Hooker is going very early in the second. Which would be there. Which is a lot easier to trade up to go do. And, I mean, I... You've gone to get Tennessee players before. Now, have quite a, have a few of them been undrafted? Yeah, but you traded up to go get Kamara. You got Marquez Calloway. Isn't Malcolm Roach from Tennessee as well? I mean, they've dug in that. They, they've gone to that. Yeah, they 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 traded up, I believe, to go they, get Alante Taylor in the did. second round. So they like going to that Tennessee well. And and I don't necessarily disagree with that statement. However. Can you say right now, without a shadow of a doubt, 
that you are comfortable with Hendon Hooker being the quarterback of the future for the New Orleans Saints? I would be if you get the right people in the coaching staff. Because do you, do you trust the current QB coach? Do you trust? I don't trust anybody on our coaching staff. That's what I'm saying. Until you get somebody that's competent, like until you get a Brian Dable. But you see, that's the issue to me that a lot of people aren't talking about. I think on the field talent, I think Jameis Winston's talented enough to win you a Super Bowl. And that's been my whole argument since I, I know before the season I thought that they could still do it even without Sean Payton. But, but he has zero coaching. But the fact that you have a defensive-minded head coach with a team that's looking to just kind of run the ball on offense and not do anything too aggressive, and the fact that you have an aggressive by nature QB and don't have a coach that can calm him down and be like, hey, let's let's take the shots when we need to, not all the time. It's not a it's not a good match. And and then it also doesn't help that the defense, even though they did play well to start off the game, but as the game went along, they just kind of got beat up more and more as they did. They were on the field for almost 38 minutes. Yeah. That it it's that to me that it's not a that's a recipe for disaster. Especially when a bunch of your weapons on offense, you're relying heavily on Chris Olave to be your best option other than Kamara. And you're not even using Taysom Hill enough. The fact that Taysom Hill only had one pass and one run. And one run. He had another run, but it was called back and, because and of holding. He was, and he was only targeted once. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. Now, I can't offer too much of a take because I didn't watch much of the game. Because I was working Cajuns men's basketball. So I didn't watch much of the game. What I do know is that the Saints lost by two touchdowns. And the one touchdown that they did score came very late in the contest. And the only reason they scored the touchdown was because the other Ravens defensive back thought he went out of bounds, so he didn't even try to tackle him. So he just kind of moseyed on down the sidelines. Right. I, I just I worry about the future of this organization with the current coaching staff. As much as I want, because un- unless there's just an absolute turn of a leaf, as much and as much as I'd want Dennis Allen to just be downgraded and just go back to being the that's not gonna the happen. defense coordinator, I I don't think it's very likely that'll happen. So I feel like you almost have to just clean house and reset completely. You almost have to move on from Pete Carmichael because it kind of feels like at this point you have QBs trying to do one thing, the offense trying to well, do see, another. I think I think you could I think you could put Carmichael back where he was. You could you could down you can demote you, him. You could demote him back to passing game coordinator because let's be honest, that's where he wants to be anyway. He doesn't want to be offensive coordinator. That has been a storyline all season. But what about with Dennis Allen? Did he necessarily want to be the head coach? I mean, because that's the same. Because that's the same thing. They just pretty much promoted from within. I don't know. And you know maybe maybe you could demote Dennis Allen back to defensive coordinator if that was something he'd want to do, but then what do you do with Chris Richard? You just gonna fire him? I was gonna say that's another thing is Ryan Nielsen. You've 
you've been having to kind of give him more things and and promote him. A, that a way guy, he stays. A guy that two years ago, when he was the defensive coordinator of the Cowboys, people were putting his name in the mix for head coaching jobs. You're just yeah. gonna fire him. That's yeah. Like I mean that that's the other issue that you, you run into because you you promoted so much that if you try to go back with everything, you got to because with one thing you have to do it for because everything. with the defense, is it a Chris Richard problem or is it the fact that you've got two defensive minds on the coaching staff butting heads? Which one is it? Because if it's a Chris Richard problem, the solution's easy. You fire Chris Richard. If it's a Ryan Nielsen problem, it's easy. You fire Ryan Nielsen. But now, okay, so you, you brought up an even better point. Now you got three heads buttoned against one another. Because you know Dennis Allen is still having a voice in how that defense is being run. You can't tell me he became the head coach and just relinquished all... All power. Right. Gave everything like, away. He, he still has a say in how that defense is being run. Yeah. There's too many and, chefs in the kitchen. Right. There, there, there's way too much going on. So, personally, what I think you do is you fire Dennis Allen, you fire Ryan Nielsen, Chris Richard's your defensive coordinator. And then if that doesn't work, then you go back to the drawing board next year. And then you demote. Pete Carmichael back, back to, to just passing, passing game, game coordinator. coordinator. You go hire an OC, you go hire a head coach. And have the head coach, I say, be offensive-minded. And is that a permanent solution? Maybe. Don't know. Depend, depending on how good the hire is. Right. It might be. Next year, you might go, oh, crap. You know, we screwed up again. And then you go back to the drawing board then. But right now, you've got to do something. However, if you're not careful, you could end up like the Indianapolis Colts. But we'll get into that in the next segment because I was going to say, well, we haven't even gotten to the I, I we haven't even spend, gotten to the we haven't even gotten to the game itself. I want to spend some time on on the Colts situation, so we're going to get into that in the we, next segment. We can talk about that in in the final segment of the hour. But the Saints game last night uh, again, a uh, twenty-seven to thirteen. Defeat at the hands of the Baltimore Ravens. The Saints are now three and six on the season. It is their worst start to a season since '98. Think about that for a second. Think about that for a second. 1998. You know how old I was in 1998. The beginning of the '98 season, I had just turned a year old. I want you to I want you to think about that for a second. The Saints are not in a good spot right now. But you know what is in a good spot? Christmas. It's coming. And I'm so excited. Such a Christmas guy. This studio is going to be decorated holly and jolly and merry and bright and it's going to be great. But anyways, you can listen to all your favorite Christmas classics or local Cajun Christmas songs on the Louisiana Christmas Channel. That's nonstop Christmas music, 24 hours a day, seven days a week on the Louisiana Christmas Channel. And you can listen live at lachristmaschannel.com or download the mobile app on both Apple and Android devices. And you can even listen on your smart speakers at home. So listen to some holiday cheer with the Louisiana Christmas Channel. Take a time out when we return. We'll dive deep into the Saints game, and we'll also start talking about that situation with the Indianapolis Colts. Right here on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. 
Got something to say to Miguez and Mesh? Hell yeah! It's easy. Just call the hotline by dialing 337-706-0111. Now, back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Crunch Time. Before we get into the conversation of the Saints game last night, I just I have to to share this tweet that I just saw. It says it's about the Astros. You think Chaz McCormick robbed the Phillies? Pedro Baez got twelve point five million dollars and a World Series ring from the Astros after pitching just six and two thirds innings in the last two seasons. Woof. All right, James, the floor is yours. Boy, talking about the Saints game, man, that was a doozy. Uh, the 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 French phrase that they normally use is "pabon." Pabon. It was very pabon. Because man, crazy how some people think that Andy Dalton he's so so much better than Jameis Winston. Boy, what what did he do for you to feel like? Yeah, he's killing it. He's he's what two and four since he he got the starting gig. And two and four, cool, not very good. And then the one win was against the Seahawks when 80% of the reason why the Saints won was because of Taysom Hill. Cool. Now, I'm not saying it's all on Andy Dalton because even though he really did not help, the line was overwhelmed, the running game, the defense just the defense of the Ravens really just had a good plan overall. I mean... Did the Saints really give any sort of commitment to the run? No. They were handed 15 times. So, not very good. And you feel like the Ravens, you feel like, wow, they just absolutely ran all over the Saints. Which, you look at the final results, you're like, yeah, that it does look pretty bad. But you do have to remember, first, I remember looking at, before there was a real turn, first 10 rush attempts for the Ravens. How many? Do you know how many yards they had? Uh, no. First 10 rush attempts that were tallied on t- on the stat sheet. I don't. 19. Okay. So 1.9 not, not yards gr- per carry. Not great. What do you mean? That's really good. The Saints defense. Oh, you're talking from the Saints perspective. Okay. Yeah, Saints. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. First 10 carries for the Ravens. Okay. I, 19 I mis- yards. I misunderstood you. Okay, go on. So it, before the avalanche, before they just started consistently getting 7, 8, 10, 17, 18 yard runs. They were only getting fours and twos and like getting stopped at the line of scrimmage. So it they were doing good to start off. It's just that one pass where Lamar just where it looked like it was gonna just be a power run to the right, kind of like with Taysom Hill. Where you just kind of have mm-hmm. everyone flow to one side and then you just had Isaiah likely leak out. I mean, that was just a perfect play call. I mean, you just they sucked you in, and then even with that, it kind of forced you to kind of respect it so it did leave lanes open for Lamar the rest of the game because you were worried, oh, they might do that again. So that was really good execution by Baltimore on their part. But, man, a fun little stat that I, that I saw on the broadcast. God. It was also my big number for the Saints gamer. I don't, I don't like where this is going. Do you know the, Do you know what the number was? How many how many yards did the Saints net on third down? I know it wasn't good. Negative fourteen. 
Negative 14. God. This offense is putrid. To me, the defense, they played all right. I mean, you can only do so much against Lamar as he just escapes and literally does jump passes to his running back and they still pick up seven, which that's another thing. Why is the defense, even though I am giving them a little bit of praise because they didn't really let Lamar explode and go crazy. He only threw for 133 yards and he didn't really get a bunch of his rushing yards till later in the game. But why are you on a third and eight dropping everyone back eight yards and farther? Their best deep shot weapon is Deshaun Jackson at 35 years old. You shouldn't be scared of that. I know it's Monday Night Football. You always remember that one time, first play of the game, play action, Mike Vick goes 70 yards down in the air to Deshaun Jackson for an 87-yard touchdown to open the game against the then Washington Redskins. But he does, he's not going to do that at this point. Why are you backing up seven Eight yards and beyond on a third and eight when the receivers can just do a quick five-yard hitch or like Isaiah Oliver did, their backup tight end, and just run a one-yard drag route, and then he just picks up 19. I know this is a man coverage team, but where's the man coverage? Where was his man? That's what I'm trying to figure out. You got him in a third and eight situation against a running team, and you're still giving up first downs on short yardage routes. What is going on? I can tell you what's going on. They're not good. And it's a shame because this team is talented. They're not good. Now, Tyron Matthew is still in my doghouse, but I did see a little bit of more effort out of him, but I'm still looking for something out of Marcus they're, May. They're poorly coached. That's what it is. They're poorly coached. All, all the way around, they're poorly coached. I think the Saints need to, I mean, would I like to see Chris Richard work out? Yeah, because I think it's a good story. And, I mean, I would love nothing more than for the permanent solution for the Saints defense to be on this staff and a guy like Chris Richard. But right now, like you said earlier, I think there's too many chefs in the kitchen. And it's holding the defense back. And why, why is Marcus Davenport... Why are you I know you're I know you're super strong. Like that's your whole thing. You're a power rusher and like you're just a freak of nature. But why are you trying to grab Lamar at his shoulder pads? Why like I understand he's he's skinnier than most quarterbacks. But dude's athletic and dude's a lot stronger than you think. You're not gonna bring him down with just a one arm on the shoulder. You're not gonna get him down. And as you saw, he picked up, what, 12 yards and a first down? It's it's poor technique, poor coverage by the defense. The offense, they're getting overwhelmed easily because you have, you have Chris Olave as your best receiving threat. And even though Alvin Kamara is one hell of a back, you could, it's a lot easier to stop running backs than it is a freak of nature wide receiver unless you just absolutely bracket coverage him. But there, there's no tight end threat. You're not, you're not, I mean, Jawan can do something every once in a while, but are you really scared of Jawan Johnson? You're not worried about Adam Trotman. The only receiver that you're, that no. you, that you really respect is Chris Olave. But even then, kid's still a rook and he's still trying to learn. So 
You just put one corner on him, and I mean, if he gets you on a couple routes, as long as it's not a 40, 50, 70-yard bomb for a touchdown, you're fine with it. Because here's another thing. That red zone offense is putrid. That red zone offense is putrid. The couple of times that Andy Dalton and that offense can get into the red zone, they always end up settling for field goals or they have a turnover. How often do you see red zone touchdowns? Not very. Not very often. Not very. You saw you saw it against the Raiders, but that's just because it's the Raiders, and I was dead wrong about the Raiders. I thought they I thought they would keep they would take another step above and actually do something in that division. But God, they're just making anybody look good. They made you look like a fraud for a week. You dressed up as a good team for Halloween. Yeah, they're bad. They're bad. They're very, very, very bad. And the Chiefs are running that division. Again. But look, you know, if you look at the Saints' schedule going forward, you've got the Steelers on Sunday, which isn't great. And they have a really good defense. It'll be like the Ravens. And then you got the Rams, which is also not great. No, but they they struggled to score. And then you got. But the, you'll you'll find a way to give up twenty seven to them. And then you got the Niners, which is not great. Jimmy G's terrible, but they'll they'll find a way to get points. Their running game and Debo and their defense. You'll, I was gonna say Debo Debo. If anyone's gonna have a good game, it's gonna be Debo because you because you as the Saints. You know very well all about Christian McCaffrey, so you know what to do against him. You're not scared against Jimmy, George Kittle. They barely get it to him anyway. So the only thing, the only players that you would really be worried about in that offense is how much they get Elijah Mitchell the ball, and what they do with Debo and Brandon Ayuk. The Bucks could be winnable. Yeah. It could the, be winnable. The Falcons, yeah, could be winnable. The Browns with Deshaun, Deshaun back. Deshaun back. But here's the thing. What did he look like in preseason? That was preseason. I'm not. I'm not counting. Yeah, I'm not, but I'm yeah, but even... what's the whole thing? What's the whole thing about nowadays? You need three or four weeks, sometimes more, to get to get together with your offense to build a chemistry, at least somewhat, to kind of get on the same page. I mean, maybe, but I mean, the guy's been practicing for a month now. No, I, I I get it. They're practicing a game. It's totally different. But I mean, Deshaun's been practicing. But you're for a also month now. you're also suspended, so you can't be with the organization. No, his his suspension from the organization ended a month ago. He's been practicing with the team. Well, then what was the eleven game suspension? That's by the league. But if you're suspended by the league, I'm telling you that he, doesn't that doesn't make sense. But I'm not saying I don't um, believe you, but that, I, does, that does not make sense. Unless I read it wrong, Deshaun's been practicing. He's probably been practicing with like other people and people outside the organization, but when you're suspended, you're usually not supposed to be able to uh, have any sort of communication or be in any sort of contact with the league or anybody on the or- in the organization that you're with. Watson has been participating in meetings and conditioning workouts at the Browns facility since October the 10th while throwing with his private quarterback's coach, Quincy Avery. He will begin practicing fully with the Browns on November 14th. So by the time he plays the Saints... Well, did they, they, must have made, they must have made a change on how suspensions work because I do not remember that being how, so, that, how that's the case. But, so by the, okay. time, by the time he plays the Saints, 
he would have been in meetings for two months and been practicing fully for a month. Now, again, I, I agree, practice reps and game reps, big difference. But he's like, but he's like Lamar Jackson because he's elusive and he's a hell of a runner. But he's also really, he's even more talented at passing. But I don't, I don't think the rust is going to be a factor in that game. Now that he's, you know, going to have a month of practice under his belt, and then you got the Eagles. That's an L. And then the Panthers. So you might be, if things don't improve, you might be six and eleven, seven and ten. Seven and ten if you get lucky. Yeah. Which I mean, that that seems like a success at this point, which is very sad to to think about. But anyways, we'll take a time out. Brian Stone of Underdog Dynasty joins us next for a preview of the Georgia Southern Eagles and the Louisiana Raging Cajuns right here on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station in your home for the Houston Astros and the Fighting Tigers of LSU. You're listening to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Slings it far side. Stingley steps inside the receiver and picks it off. Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. A shot to left field. Going back on its Gordon. He'll look up at the goner. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. 439 here on your Tuesday. Welcome back to Crunch Time. Matt Miguez, James Mesh. It's time to preview the Louisiana Raging Cajuns sitting at 4-5 and five on the year. 2-4 and four in the Sun Belt Conference. They will host the Eagles of Georgia Southern, five and four on the season. They are two and three in the Sun Belt Conference. To help us preview the opposition is Brian Stone. He is a Georgia Southern writer and Sun Belt podcast host for Underdog Dynasty. Brian, thanks so much for taking the time, man. How are you? No, I'm great. Thank you for thank you guys for having me on. So. Tale of tale of two extremes, man. In in Statesboro, you go from Georgia Southern running the option for decades to mm-hmm. hey, let's have the fourth best passing offense in America. Yeah, it's really been you know a, a complete night and day experience. Um, you know, I I can definitely say with with full confidence, I did not expect them to have this level of passing offense coming into this year. Nobody really knew what the offense was going to look like under Clay Hilton. Um, but obviously, I mean, as far as offense goes, the, the results have you know, spoken for themselves. And, you know, you brought up Clay Hilton. Clay Hilton obviously has you know, quite the resume coaching at USC and you know, now taking over the reins at Georgia Southern. And, you know, you, you look at it, he brings in a guy like Kyle Vantrese who spent some time at Buffalo and, and you know, again – another strong passing offense. They run the ball well there in in Buffalo as well. But he comes to Georgia Southern and really shows you what he can do as a passer. I mean, his first game in Statesboro throws for 367. Then you go to Nebraska and he throws for 409. And then in October, you played James Madison. He threw for 578. I mean, this kid is unreal. Yeah, I mean, Andy set a single game, you know, Sunbelt passing record with that win over James Madison, too. I mean, he's single handedly the reason that Georgia Southern won that game because they just couldn't run the football at all. Um, he's been, you know, far and away better than anything I could have expected. Um, you know, coming into this season, 
at Buffalo, he, he didn't really have the volume throwing the ball. So I didn't know, you know, what to expect when he came in. But the offense, the offensive coordinator Brian Ellis uh, has installed along with Clay Helton, you know, Van Treese has had some games here and there where, you know, he may have gotten a little bit too gunslingery uh, for his own good. But, yeah, like you said, I mean, you know, you couldn't ask for a better passing, you know, season overall. And then, you know, you, you look at the, the running situation and the, the weapons. Obviously, Caleb Hood still in, in Statesboro having a great year, 685 yards and, and two touchdowns. But also, like I mentioned, you, you start to look at the – the running back situation because, you know, Georgia Southern still going to run the football a little bit. And Jalen White has, has done just that. I mean, 743 yards, 10 touchdowns. Uh, I mean, averaging 5.2 yards a carry, you can't complain with that. No, I mean, both Jalen White and Gerald Green have been solid. Um, you know, coming into, coming off of last year, which was disappointing for Georgia Southern, only, you know, finishing the season with three wins, Chad Lunsford gets fired, you know. It, it looks like the program as a whole is in turmoil. Um, they have done a great job taking what the other defense is giving them. Um, you know, you, you don't look any further than the Old Dominion game. When coming in, Old Dominion had one of the worst passing, you know, defenses in the country. So naturally one would think, you know, Ellis is going to throw the ball with Van Trees here and we're going to take advantage of this. He must have saw something on tape because Georgia Southern ran it right down Old Dominion's throats in that game, and it was, you know, one of the more lower scoring contests they've had this year. But both of those running backs have have been great, and we saw flashes of that at the end of last year. But it was just in a, uh, like I said, kind of a lost season in 2021. And then you know the the issue that that I see when doing research on the Eagles as they get ready to play the the Raging Cajuns. Is, is the defense because you look at the offense? You guys are averaging, you know, almost 500 yards of offense a game, but you're also giving up 500 yards a game. No, yeah, I mean, I, I've gone back and forth with with other uh, Georgia Southern fans on Twitter about this. If Georgia Southern even had a league average, you know, an FBS middle of the pack defense, I think they'd be seven and one or six and two this season. Um, they. They truly, you know, when you look at the offensive performances they've put up, they have not been thoroughly outplayed to where you can say, ah, there was no chance they had of winning that game. But when you have a defense that's bottom, you know, 40 in the country in total yardage with 485 yards given up a game, you've got one of the worst rushing defenses in the country. I think they're bottom three or bottom five, somewhere around there. I mean, they've had, they've given up multiple 200 yard rushing performances this year. Uh, UAB stands out as one game, and then last week against South Alabama uh, with LaDainian Webb running all over them. Um, yeah, I mean, the run defense in the front seven has just been, you know, this team's Achilles heel because teams can just run the ball against them at will, and it, you know, obviously keeps the offense on the sideline. And then, you know, looking at the matchup itself, this is always a, a fun game. You know, everybody remembers the, the walk-off in, in 2020 when Kenny Almendaris hit that 53-yard field goal. And, you know, the, the, again, it's always been an exciting matchup back in Cajun Field for this one on national television. How do the Eagles match up with this year's Cajuns team, in your opinion? Well, you know, you mentioned some of the defense struggles the, the Eagles have had. You know, 
Louisiana's offense hasn't exactly been, you know, sharp so far. Um, I, I liken this to, you know, a stoppable force meeting a movable object because you've got a bad defense in Georgia Southern uh, going up against a struggling offense with the Cajuns. I, I think the Cajuns will be able to run the football. Like I said, I mean, when you face a bottom five defense in the country, as far as rushing yardage allowed goes, I think I think the the Cajuns will be able to run the football. The only question is, and and will remain going into this game, are they going to be able to score enough points to keep up with Van Treese and Caleb Hood, Gerald Green, Jalen White, and those playmakers? Because they they have had trouble doing it thus far with games against you know Southern Miss and Troy. So that'll be really the key. Is I think they'll be able to run the football with like Chris Smith and and those guys for the Cajuns, but are they going to be able to? sustain enough drives, produce enough offense to keep pace with the Eagles. Who wins and why? You know, I've been going back and forth on this. Uh, the, the, with the podcast we recently recently released, I said the Cajuns. I, I'm actually sort of tilting on that. I think it's going to be Georgia Southern, and I think it's just going to be what I mentioned. I think, I think the Cajuns are going to be able to run the football, but I just don't think they're going to score enough points, honestly, to keep up with the Eagles offense. Brian Stone of Underdog Dynasty joining us for a conversation about the Georgia Southern Eagles as they prepare to travel to Cajun country to take on the Raging Cajuns Thursday night at Cajun Field. Brian, really appreciate you taking the time, man, and uh, we'll, we'll talk again soon, my friend. Yeah, anytime. And there he goes, Brian Stone of Underdog Dynasty. Did you know that in order to listen to the game, all you had to do was tell Alexa or Google Home to do it. It's very simple. It, it, it's so simple. Your, your smart speaker helps out around the house. You can control your lights, your thermostats, and more. But it also can play our station. Just tell Alexa or Google Home to play the game Southwest Louisiana. To so do the smart thing and have the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles with you at your office, your home, and everywhere you go. We'll take a timeout. Have one more segment in hour number one before we get to a interesting hour number two. Here on Crunch Time, you're listening to the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the Tigers of LSU and the Houston Astros. A recent survey discovered that game listeners prefer our station over watching a mandated webinar at work. Well, thank you, everyone, for coming to this exciting meeting today to discuss... Take that, productivity in the workplace. This is The Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Thursday Night Football is... A few days away, but it's never too early to get your bets in. And you should start NFL Week 9 off right with a no-sweat same-game parlay from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. It doesn't matter if you're new to FanDuel or if you already have an account. You'll get free bets back if your Thursday night same-game parlay doesn't hit. NFL same-game parlays are the perfect way to combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout. A quick parlay that I whipped up for you is the Falcons' money line. And anytime Drake London touchdown and then the under on total points scored. Build your own or choose from one of the popular same-game parlays pre-built for you in FanDuel's top-rated sportsbook app. However you want to play, you can bet on the NFL on Thursday night with a no-sweat same-game parlay. Just sign up with promo code KLWB if you don't already have an account. But if you're already with FanDuel, you're all set. Just sign in and see what you got. 
Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. You must be 21 and older and present in Louisiana and permitted parishes only. Three plus leg minimum $1 bet required. Refund issued is non-withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after the receipt. Max free bet $5. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. And if you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-877-770-STOP. Welcome. Oh. Welcome back to crunch time as we've got just a couple minutes left. Before we wrap up our number one, now we didn't get it to it before, but Matt, let's talk about the Colts situation. Well, with El Jefe Saturday now head oh my coach. God. Before we get to that, okay, quick quick reminder as as citizens of this great country that we live in, if you haven't voted yet today, go vote. Yeah, three Think- more. Yeah, three more hours till the polls close. Go vote. Takes two seconds. Very quick. Very simple. Obviously, we don't talk politics, so I'm not going to influence your decision on who you should vote for. I'm just telling you to go vote. Now, talking about the Colts. So let, let's recap the, the season so far for, for Indianapolis. You want to start before the season? You, you acquire Matt Ryan. Correct. <laughs> so now, you know, you've got, the, you've got the previous rookie of the year in Jonathan Taylor who nearly broke rushing records. You have Matt Ryan, who has consistently been a solid quarterback. He had one great year where he won the MVP. I still think that was a little skewed, but, you know, he he's, potato, potato. he's had a solid year. All right, so, I mean, if you're a Colts fan, you're saying, oh, Matt Ryan, Jonathan Taylor, Michael Pittman, Got Shaq Leonard on the other side. Like, we, we might be able to do something here. Okay, well, now let's see where a game's in. Matt Ryan has been benched. Jonathan Taylor has been hurt all of three games. Frank Reich has been fired. Did, uh, did Leonard... Wasn't his name? Didn't it used to be it, Darius? Darius Leonard. But he changed his Correct. name. Why did Why did he change it? Shaquille was his middle name. Why he changed it, I'm not sure. But now it's Shaquille Darius Leonard. Um, okay. I, I'm not I'm not sure why. But anyways, uh, threw me for a loop on Madden because it was like Shaquille Leonard. I was like, who the heck is that guy? And then I looked. And You're I was like, like, where's Darius? And I was like, oh, it's Darius. Okay. But anyways, um, so Frank Reich was fired. Now here's where it gets interesting. You didn't replace him with a guy that was on the staff. You know, because <laughs> keep in mind, John Fox, the former head coach of the Broncos, former head coach of the Panthers, he's on the Colts staff. Yes. He didn't get the spot. Marvin Harrison, one of the greatest receivers to ever play the game, he's on staff. He didn't get the spot. No. Instead, you hired Jeff Saturday, who only coaching experience was three years in high school football. I only saw it was tw- just for 2020, and he went three and seven. Oh, everybody's saying three years. I only, I from what I saw, it was only one year in 2020. Yeah, and, and yeah, he went three and seven that year, which is horrible. But anyways, you know what he was doing as of last week? Watching the NFL on the couch. <laughs> Working for the four-letter network. Oh yeah, that's true. I forgot he does. He does go on there. 
I forget which. I, I think he appears on a couple different shows. He, he does. Doesn't he? Isn't he on like NFL Live or something? Yeah, and Get Up and a couple other things. He does get on Get Up. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um. So explain to me how Jim Ursay, who's always been, you know, a, an off the wall kind of fella. Oh, he's something special. He he's he's a guy, right? Explain to me how Jim Ursay sat there and said. You know who I think could lead us? LFA. Yes. You've got to be kidding me. I mean, this is absolutely insane. El Jefe Sabado. It's insane. And then they also got rid of the OC and promoted their 30-year-old passing game coordinator to be their OC. And he's going to call the plays. Not only are they promoting him to OC, he's going to call the offense. I just want Michael Pittman to get the ball. <laughs> That's all I'm asking for. I here, Here's my advice to Colts fans. Find a fifth. Find a handle. Find a liquor store. Get through the last eight games. We'll finish it more in hour number two right here on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station in your home for the Tigers and the Houston Astros. You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. James Mesh told me I have voices in my head. I worry about you. Oh, man. Don't worry about me just because I'm fun. Hour number two of Crunch Time here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. And it is your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. 503 on this Tuesday afternoon at 530. We're going to be joined by Brian Lalima of Sports Talk 790 in Houston. And we will also we will chat it up with him about the Houston Astros winning their second World Series in franchise history. But before we get to that, let's finish this conversation about the Indianapolis Colts. Okay, so we were talking about Jim Irsay being a wild guy. This is how wild he is. He fires Frank Reich in a... I'm going to call it a shocking move. Because I thought it might be a little too early. They've had some roster issues. You know, they've this, that, and the other. I I think it may have been a little too early. However, it is what it is. He's now gone. Hours later, he hires Jeff Saturday as an interim head coach. Now, everybody's first thought was, Oh, where the hell's the Rooney rule? Blah, blah, blah. Uh, You got to... Rooney Rule doesn't factor into interim head coaches. However, if you listened to Jim Irsay's press conference that was held last night during the Monday night football game, you would have heard Jim Irsay say, 
Jeff Saturday will be the coach for sure the last eight games, hopefully longer. Did Jim Ursay find a loophole in the Rooney rule? To where if you take the interim tag off a guy, you're good? Because if so, that's wild. Absolutely wild to me. Let's go to the hotline. Jay, what's up? Uh, who's upset? I never heard anyone say anything about the Rooney Rule. No, no one, if you follow football, you know that that's usually something the Rooney Rule usually takes place after the season. If a coach gets fired during the season, you know, more likely they're going to put uh, hire someone from the staff. More likely. Um, I don't see, I've never heard anyone say, oh, about the Rooney Rule when a coach gets fired. I, I never heard that. Where you heard that from? I've seen it all over social media, people asking about the Rooney Rule. Yeah, I just wow. I'm, I'm surprised that people have mentioned that. Now, I, I said this earlier that I think it strengthens Brian Flores' case against the NFL. That's, that's why I think you know situations like this. Uh, not so much that they hired Jeff Saturday; it's just the idea that this man didn't have any college or NFL experience. Uh, yeah, I heard high school, but it's not not too often that happens. Um, you know. I know Doug Peterson was a high school coach, but he had some NFL assistant coach experience. Uh, coach, excuse me, coaching experience. But yeah, um, yeah, that's just ignorance, man. They just don't know the rules. Any rules do they apply to after the season? Right. You know, when they have interviews, not so much during the uh, regular season, because you're not going to bring in a head coach per se. Like you said, who knows? Matt Saturday might go on the roll, and you know, I think he had a situation. Well, no, I think they let Bruce Arias. I think Bruce Arias. Who was that? Somebody was a, a interim, and they moved on, even though they had a good record, and they brought back Chuck Bagano. Um, so who knows, man? Who knows in this situation? Um, I know some people are going to say, well, you know, Ursay hired Tony Dungy. You know, he gave Tony Dungy a shot, and then also had uh, uh, Jim Caldwell. Caldwell. So uh, I, you know that he has that. You know, his uh, the people who support him, they have that. His supporters say, oh, you know, he hired two uh, black coaches, or you know, what's considered minority. I have a thank. Uh, have a good one, and thank you. Appreciate you, Jay. Yeah. So not only did I see it on social media, but Urse was also asked about the Rooney Rule during the press conference last night. Um, he 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 was was asked, you know, how did you avoid the the Rooney Rule in naming Jeff Saturday? But you didn't have to avoid the Rooney Rule, like we just talked about. That that only applies when it's not an interim basis. But you know, you look at. We talked about Jeff Saturday, who, again, like we said, has has zero had college experience or NFL experience. Three years of high school football, and it didn't go well. Let's go back to the hotline. Manny, what's up? All right, listen, I uh, just wanted to chime in a little bit on the Jeff Saturday situation. I think it just speaks to the fact that these owners – you just they, they're gonna do what they want. I mean, the Rooney Rule is a is a slap in the face, and and I'm, I'm, and Jay's right. The Rooney Rule really doesn't apply during the season, but you know it, it just shows you that it's the old boy system. You know, I, I I don't. It's just ridiculous. It's silly, and it shows that 
they don't really care about any what anybody says. A billionaire, a multi-billionaire, you know, whatever they are, they're going to do what they want to do, and you know, I don't think they really worry about any of those things. They might let other people worry about them, but you know, it's really a situation. I'm sure that's eye-opening to not only African American coaches, but all coaches of that level who want to get a chance to, you know, to to be a head coach. So uh, yep. I'm, I just think that's a that's a slap in the face to all those guys that are in the in the building. Number one, and uh, you know, to, to to guys that have been grinding and building relationships and so on. So and Jeff Saturday might do great. I don't know. I think he's a great guy by all accounts. Really great guy. You know, high integrity guy, hard worker, yada yada yada. But I just don't think that it's a situation where he deserves to, have, you know, for this to go on. So, right. Just wanted to, just wanted to chime in. Thanks, guys, for joining the show. Appreciate the call, Manny. Yeah, so you know, again, you you go back to it, and we, we talked about it a little bit earlier. You, you look at the. Colts coaching staff, and which, by the way, I, I do stand corrected. Marvin Harrison is not on the Colts staff. It's Reggie Wayne. Still, the point remains the same. A great Colts wide receiver that has coaching experience. Albeit one year, but that's one year more than what Jeff Saturday has. I digress. Look at, look at your coordinators. Your defensive coordinator is Gus Bradley. And name ring a bell for you, James? He was the Jaguars head coach for years. For years. In the in the mid in, in the 2010s. Um. Gus Bradley was there for a long time. So here's the thing. You've got John Fox, who's got head coaching experience. You've got Gus Bradley, who's got head coaching experience. Two guys on your staff. He was the Jags head coach for four years. From 2013 to 2016. So not as long as I thought it was, but still. Two guys with NFL head coaching experience. And you're going to bring in an outsider? Now, I've seen a lot of people say, look, here's the thing. It's one thing you want to take a flyer on, you know, Nick Saban. Or, you know... A guy who has had his fair share of success at the collegiate level. Or, you know, a guy like Kellen Moore. Or, you know, anything like that. And and again, at an interim basis, you need something quick. You need something preferably in-house. I get it. Jeff Saturday wasn't even in-house. Like, this came so far out of left field, it wasn't even in the building. And then, so, besides all of that, listen to what Jim Ursay said during the press conference last night when he was talking about the job that Jeff Saturday would do. He said, do you want to bet against this guy? If so, put your money down. I'd love to see it because I know what he's about. Jim, what are you on? Are you on some happy positivity? If you've ever fun watched, juice, if you've ever watched the Pat McAfee show, they they talked about 
You are wild. Pat's talked about what Jim Irsay does. Now, look, am I sitting here saying, oh, God, I hope Jeff Saturday goes 0-8? No, because you want to know why? As somebody who hosts a sports radio show, if Jeff Saturday goes 8-0, that's something for us to talk about. It's fantastic content. But let's be real. Outside of 13 years as an NFL center, the guy has zero experience. You coached for three years at Hebron Christian Academy in Atlanta. And one of those years, you barely won a third of your games. I was going to say, he went 20 and 16. Like, this guy's not ready for this. But, but what are you doing? What if, but what if, what if the Raiders still make him look like a competent coach and they still lose? Hey, hey, El Jefe. You see that massive bonfire over there that is this season? Go run through it. Go have fun, bud. You're going to spend eight weeks in there. It's all for you. And if you come out alive, maybe we'll hire you. We'll interview you again. Because you know they're not just going to hand it to them. Interview. Well. <laughs> what? It, what? You think You think they would stick with him if he went 3-5? and five? No. You don't think so? No. I, th- I think you'd have to do a little bit better than that. If he goes 500 or above, I think they would. I don't know that 3-5 and five does it. Because I could see Jim Irsay. Because I could see what they do if... It- I mean... <laughs> Who knows? With, with Jim Irsay, he might go two and six, and they're like, "Hey, good enough for me." But that's what I'm saying is, I, I feel like if he wins even a couple of games, he'll be the prime candidate to go back, unless someone absolutely just wows him. But you see what this shows me? This shows me two things. Number one, the Colts are openly admitting that they're terrible, so let's just tank. And number two, they would rather PR over winning football games. Because this is a PR move if I've never if I've ever seen one. Former player, locker room leader, everybody loves Jeff Saturday. Let's make him the interim head coach for eight games. It's absolutely bonkers to me. Now look, if it works, we'll come back here and talk about how awesome it was to watch Jeff Saturday lead the Colts. However, if I'm a betting man, you know, Jim Irsay asked, you want to bet against this guy? Sure. Actually. Kind of do. I, I kind of do. Because I think you are setting him up for failure. I think you are setting him up for dramatic failure. But anyways, I digress on that situation. Um... You know, it just, it, it, it's strange. If you, I, I could see you going for a guy that, you know, had spent time as a coordinator or, you know, maybe even, like I said earlier, coached in college. Jeff Saturday hasn't even done that. This is not going to end well. It's just not. No Matt Ryan, Jeff Saturday's your interim. Like this, It's just not going to work well. So. Again, like I said earlier, if you are a Colts fan, just make it through and go draft a quarterback in the offseason because that's what you're going to have to do. 
The Sweet Dough Pie Festival is coming back, and it's serving up a slice of history and deliciousness. Every year, pastry chefs and home cooks vie to be crowned best in the Sweet Dough Pie Contest, where the public is the judge, and of course, a large variety of pies are available for purchase. Now, I know what you're saying. Matt, you read this live read a couple weeks ago. What's the, what's the deal? Well, it got rained out, and it's rescheduled for this Saturday from 9 to 3 at Grand Coteau Town Park in Grand Coteau. For more information, you can call 337-331-6352 or visit the Town of Grand Coteau's Facebook page. We'll take a time out. When we return, it's a soundbite segment. We're going to talk New Orleans Saints, LSU Tigers, and Louisiana Raging Cajuns men's basketball. We'll do that next here on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update, presented by Tibbs Trailers here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back. It's crunch time. 20 after the hour. Matt Miguez, James Mesh, and you, 337-706-0111. One one, and here in Acadia, you can watch us on the simulcast on Stadium thirty two point three and Channel one thirty three on LUS Fiber. Let's update the poll question of the day: How will the Saints acquire their next quarterback? And comment who you think it'll be. So far, seventy one percent say trade slash sign a vet. Twenty eight point six percent say draft a rookie. Couple of comments: Todd says I'd love to draft one. The problem is draft capital is gutted, so QBs are left by selection. It's not optimal, as RP3 likes to say. Brandon comments, and he tags Lamar Jackson and says, Lamar, please. <laughs> well, you know, what I, I, learned a, I learned a phrase. Well, I didn't learn a phrase, but I started saying it after a, a good friend of ours said it on this program. If ifs and buts were candy and nuts, we'd all have a Merry Christmas. Lamar Jackson's not happening. You can't afford him. Because as much as we enjoy the game that is Luminomics every offseason, having to play that game means one simple thing. The Saints are broke. You can't afford him. So... As great as that would be, not going to happen. And Larry says, we definitely need a quarterback. Yeah, I agree. So James, you know, what would Tad comment? Oh, God, we, we, lo- we love Tad, right? Tad comments, sucky McSuck face. Did he did he get that off of the fact that that is the name of my fantasy team? I was gonna say he's he's catching on to us. I don't know, but because you know my fantasy team one and eight in the crunch time league, baby. Let's go! You're killing it. I'm killing the game, and I actually just lost to Tad this week. So I will I will openly say it, Tad. Good game. You beat me. What? Where am I in the standings? I am. I am second to last. I'm sixth. Or am I? Am I now last? Did, did H-Town Wheelhouse win, and I'm now... No, you're still ahead. I'm still ahead, okay. You're Oof. still 13th. <laughs> hey, as long as I'm not last, baby. But look, 
going going back to the Saints game last night, Dennis Allen spoke with the media after the game, and the biggest question that he was asked in this press conference: Did you ever consider a change of quarterback? No, I didn't. Um, look, we 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 there was a lot that that wasn't good offensively tonight, you know, and so there's a lot of dirty hands in that. No, no. Why why, why would you want to spark? Why would you potentially want to come back in the game? Come on, dude. Hearing him say it, that's like the third time I've heard that clip. It brings me into a fit of rage. Now again, we can sit here and have this conversation all day. Do I think Jameis Winston makes the Saints an infinitely better football team? No, I do not. No, but sometimes when it comes to Taysom Hill... You can get a spark. Do I think Jameis Winston is a world-beater quarterback? No, I do not. I think he's below average. You give yourself a better chance. But what he does is, like you just mentioned, he provides a spark. He provides something that the defense hasn't seen yet that night. You can catch a defense off guard and rattle them for the rest of the game. But nah! You know, let's just keep the red rifle in who who's been, you know, okay. He's ever won you a game and if anything, I he's mean, lost you games. <laughs> I mean, he hasn't been like super sucky, only just a little sucky, but you know, that's fine with, with, with me. That's fine. You're scoring because, garbage time touchdowns to make you look I'm more a, respectable. Because I'm Dennis Allen and I'm a super sucky head coach. God. Dude, it 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 pains me. To watch a team this talented suck this bad pains me. I tweeted at Preston Guy because he was talking about, oh, how much he would love for Aaron Rodgers to come oh, to the Saints. God. It's like, no. Oh, but God. It, I'd take another year of Jameis over that. It's, it's so infuriating to watch the talent get wasted. Oh, because it, it's 100% getting wasted. It's getting wasted. You, you, you're wasting the last good years that you have of Cam Jordan. You're wasting the last good years that Tyron Matthew has. Granted, he hasn't done himself many favors, but... No. <laughs> Same thing with DeMario. You're, you're wasting you're, the last couple of years of DeMario. You're opening the door for Pete Warner to just walk after his rookie deal's up. Because why would he stay if you're not any good? If he's the only player constantly putting forth a consistent effort and playing well and putting up numbers, which, by the way, he still leads the league in solo tackles. Just going to throw that out there. But now he's hurt. Go figure. Add him to the novel. You know what? Let's make a documentary about how many Saints players have been hurt. Because I swear, there's got to be some voodoo science behind it. Let's go to the hotline, Doc. What's up? Not much. Um, I was kind of curious, and I don't know if I'm the only one who feels this way, but I can't stand how teams seem to take coaches that have failed miserably at other places and expected a different result. Think, um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. The, I'm sorry, Doc. Can, can you say that again? I, I don't. Am I there? Is my voice bad? No, no, no. Uh, I, I just want you to repeat it because I want you to drive home the point. I just I don't understand why teams continuously take coaches that have failed at other spots 
and then put them in as head coaches as if something's going to be different. Thank you. They are who they are. And, you know, I'd say the one thing about Saturday is at least he hasn't proven that he sucks. And, you know, Tim Fox had several runs at other places. I could see the Melvin Harrison aspect from it. Maybe that would probably have been a, uh, a good issue. But, you know, I don't know. Just even thinking about it, you know, with the recent lottery, I think somebody should go up to her saying, say, well, how about I'll put my lot of winnings up to you, kind of total ownership of the team if you're such a big man that they'll do over 500 and then see if he shuts up because I don't know, man. I, I think it's the same story, different day. That's just my feelings on it. Just curious to see what you guys thought. I, I 100% agree with you. Yeah. Yeah. It's I mean, awful. I, I wasn't a fan of the hire the day they announced it. And I, you know what? I don't think the Rooney Rule extends anymore. I don't even know if it's even there, but I'm sure that was um, fully vetted as well. If we're talking in terms of bringing people in, uh, so I just I don't see how these things, you know, for all the hypocrisies of ownership and they're they're doing right by everybody. I, mean, I don't know. It's frustrating at times. I think, no, and I'm, I'm not even a Colts fan or even a Saint. I mean, I love the Saints, but I just. I don't know. I agree. It just seems wasteful, wasteful, wasteful. Yep, absolutely. Appreciate the call, Doc. All right, guys. Y'all have a good night. Yeah, I mean, I've said that for weeks now. What did you see out of Dennis Allen's previous tenure? I don't give a damn where it was. Oakland is a dumpster fire, or it was a dumpster fire. It still is a dumpster fire, even in Las Vegas. I get it. But here's the issue. You still have the opportunity to be a head coach. You can control certain aspects to where the team could have been better than 4 and 12, 4 and 12 and then 0 and 4. You didn't improve. And look, we talked about it a couple weeks ago. I said I don't think that Dennis Allen is going to come back after the first year. And I'm really starting to believe that even further now. And it's not because I don't want to give the guy a chance. But what has he shown you that he's going to improve? You've gotten worse. You've gotten worse. You started the season 1-0. and You have regressed all season long. You get hurt. More guys get hurt. More guys get hurt. And then the story comes out that the practices have been a lot more laxed under Dennis Allen than they were under Sean Payton. Well, no wonder you suck! Tia called and said, well, if you want some, if you need a coach that is just going to waste talent, go get Les Miles. Oh, that might actually be better than Dennis Allen at this point. I mean, I kid, but I'm, we got to take a timeout. I'm starting to sound too much like foot. <laughs> I'm, I'm sounding way too much like foot. It... it it's infuriating to watch this team. For once, I did not have a stressful evening 
when the Saints played because I couldn't watch it. I couldn't watch it. Because when you read it on paper, you go, oh, well, you know, the Saints weren't that bad. Maybe they were just a couple of plays behind. No. The Ravens just made a few more plays than the Saints did. No, you got owned. I haven't I haven't enjoyed watching a Saints game. Owned. It's it's been difficult to the watch. The only these games. Saints game that I enjoyed was when they shut out the Ravens twenty four to nothing. That's the only game that was fun. There was good offense. The defense played lights out. I thought that the play calling was halfway okay. But even the but even the offense didn't feel all that great. No. Camara. Camara was great. Yes. Camara was fun to watch. The other ten, yeah, you know. Yep. Normal. This team has to do a complete 180 if Dennis Allen wants to save his job. Because at this rate, he's gone. And if he's not gone, well, then somebody might need to look at Mickey Loomis and say, dude, what are you doing? Because after what we've seen, now, again, you take away the last 15 years, the Saints have been perennial losers. God, we wore paper bags to games. But that 15 years of golden age football showed you what this franchise can be. So now the first year that you don't have either Sean Payton or Drew Brees in 15 seasons and you're this bad, you got to find a way to bring it back. Or at least say, at least make a move that says, hey, we're going to work to bring it back. Because right now, all I'm seeing out of airline drive is that you're okay with being three and six. That you're just going with the motions, and it is what it is, and you know, we we'll we'll do it next week. Give me a break. Let's take a timeout. Ryan Lalima joins us next for To the Moon right here on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Fly me to the moon. Driven deep to left center field. Garner is going back. Looking out. See you later. See you later. Astros headed back to the World Series. Minkas and Nash are ready to launch into all things Houston Astros. Here is To the Moon on Crunch Time with Minkas and Nash. Brian Lalima, what's going on, my guy? Sorry, guys. I don't know what was going on. I was trying to answer the phone and get to you guys, and I was uh, having a little difficulty on my end. I don't know. Maybe just. Uh, too much celebration clogging up the phone line still here in Houston. I don't know, man. Man, what a what a weekend it was, huh? Yeah, what a uh, what a run this Astros team went on all season long through the through the postseason and obviously the World Series champs. Man, what a ride it's been. So, I, so I gotta ask, what memorabilia do you already own? Uh, I don't have anything, actually. Um, I haven't really had time, you know, covering the Astros with both Apollo HOU and Sports Talk 790, I really haven't had time to do much. Um, you know, it's it's long days at the ballpark, you know, especially them playing at home. Uh, I really want the uh, 2022 champion hats they wore in the parade yesterday. Oh, yeah, that was And sweet. I would really like that uh, black and gold uh, championship shirt they wore as well. So I'll probably get those two. Yeah, I, I already ordered the, the stuff that they wore on the field. And then I plan on getting the the parade stuff, you know, a little later on down the line. 
But uh, today I found a orange mini bat that has the World Series champs logo on it, and it is signed by, well, obviously printed signatures, but Jose Altuve, Jordan Alvarez, Alex Bregman, and Kyle Tucker. Yeah, it's pretty cool, man. There's so much uh, memorabilia. You got all the uh, the custom coins that are being made yep. um, that are up for order. They've got all these, um, you know, mini bats, regular size bats. You've got commemorative baseballs. I mean, all the crazy stuff that comes with the World Series title. Um, it's just been it's been it's been such a fun ride, you know. And then obviously with all of the merch and, and uh, memorabilia, man, it's it's a good time around Houston right now. Before we get to the way they wrapped up the World Series. Talk about the parade yesterday. What was that atmosphere like in, in downtown Houston? Uh, so it, it was, man, they, they estimated uh, originally the mayor of Houston, Sir Sylvester Turner, said in his press conference that they estimated a million people to be there. Well, they estimated a million people were there in 2017, and yesterday – after the parade, they estimated that over 2 million people were there. They changed the route up, so it was just a straight shot down Smith Street through downtown. It was crazy. You know, there were, you know, people everywhere up on lamps, uh, or not lamps, uh, street street lamps, street posts, uh, people in trees, you know, people brought chairs, beers. Uh, it was, I mean, just a party atmosphere. Uh, Alex Bregman had a, uh, a post-parade party at one of the bars, at the end of the po- uh, at the end of the parade route, that was jumping. There were people everywhere. Um, it was crazy, man. Just wild. Now the Astros have announced that a press conference will be held tomorrow at noon at Minute Maid Park. Any any clues as to what that's about? I'm assuming it's going to have to be about Dusty Baker and James Click. Uh, there was a report that was released today uh, from Bob Nightingale of CBS Sports that or no, not CBS Sports USA Today. Um, that James Click spoke with Dusty Baker and James Click on Monday and said to them that he would be offering them contracts to come back in 2023. Uh, the details of that, uh, you know, after that have not been released, so I'm assuming it's that. All right, so let's, let's get to the game. You know, Saturday night, a 4-1 to win for the Astros. Man, you know, you, you can say all you want about, you know, Jordan Alvarez having a a rough stretch during the postseason because at one point he was he was struggling a little bit, but when you need him to deliver, he comes up in the biggest ways. Yeah, that home run. Look, I, I've been in Houston my entire life, um, besides obviously the couple years that I you know was in college, and the last time that I can remember someone hitting a ball to dead center field was back in like early 2000s when Sammy Sosa hit a ball over Towels Hill. Like, that's the last time I remember someone hitting a ball to dead center field. The ball that Jordan Alvarez hit the other night on Saturday night over the batter's eye was absolutely obliterated. They said it went 450 feet, but there's no way. It's got to be closer to 500 feet. I mean, just an absolute bomb. That inning, you know, they went down. Kyle Schwarber hit a hit a shot to right field to put the Phillies up one nothing. And in the ballpark, you could feel leading up to that sixth inning when before Kyle Schwarber hit his home run, you could feel like the tension rising. You could feel that something was about to give because it was basically a pitcher's duel up until that point. And then even after Kyle Schwarber hit his home run, you could still feel that 
something was about to happen for the Astros. And all that needed to happen was Marty Maldonado needed to lead off the sixth inning and get on base somehow, and he got hit. And then it's like, okay, all right, something's about to happen. He gets on, uh, Altuve hits into a fielder's choice, then Pena comes up, smacks a single, Altuve gets to third, and then it's first and third with one out, and Jordan hits the ball in the dead center field, a place that very, very few people can hit it. Justin Verlander to to finally get that World Series win in in Game Five, or yeah, in, in Game Five. Talk about you know just just that you know the the importance of adding that or getting that monkey off of his back, you know, at, at this point of his career. Yeah, I mean, he was what zero and six coming into uh, Game Number Four. Uh, I'm sorry, Game Five was it Game Four. No, Game 5. Sorry, Christian Javier, they no-hit the Phillies in Game 4. So, Game 5, uh, 0-6 coming in. You know, one of the big things that he talked about was the adjustments that he made from his first game uh, against the Phillies to the next, you know, to the next outing. And I just think everyone was talking about it. Oh, he's over in the World Series. Can he ever get it done? You know, he pitches well up until the World Series, and then he gets into the World Series, and there's just something that, you know, he can't figure out. And he finally gets it done. He makes adjustments between those two outings, um, elevated the fastball, was able to command his off-speed, his curveball and a slider, and he finally got it done. It's just huge, man. It's just another, you know, another accolade uh, uh, along a Hall of Fame career, you know, and, and he's, got to, he's about to win the Cy Young, and he's still going to probably pitch three or four more years. It's crazy. All right, Brian, let's look ahead to, the, you know, the offseason season. In your mind, outside of you know Dusty Baker and and James Click, what's the biggest move the Astros need to make this offseason? It's Justin Verlander. I mean, that's the that's going to be you know number one after your your manager and your general manager, and it's it's going to be first of all is is Justin Verlander going to opt out? He has not officially opted out yet. We know that he probably will. How much money is he going to want? We saw what is Max Scherzer making each year, like forty million dollars, forty-one million dollars, and Just Verlander pitches pitch better than Max Scherzer. That's number one. Uh, I think another another big time point is going to be: Are you going to bring back Yuli? What do you do with Michael Brantley? Because Yuli and Michael Brantley both are going to be free agents. They're both a little bit older. Um, do you bring back Christian Vasquez? He's another guy. And then uh, on the backside of your bullpen, Rafael Montero is now a free agent. Do you try to lock him up? Uh, I think number one is Justin Verlander, and then you got to figure out what you do with Yuli and Michael Brantley. Do you bring back Yuli? If you can get him for a team-friendly deal, I say absolutely. You know, for what he does on the defensive side of the baseball, is it? it you know, we saw post postseason Yuli was around this year. He, he hit well. He had his struggles in the regular season. If he hits two forty, two fifty in the regular season, those twenty to thirty points that he's not hitting on the offense, he's saving on the defense, if that makes sense. His defense is something, you know, it's, he's a gold glove first baseman, and, and he can lock down uh, the right side with Altuve that makes him so valuable. Um, so you get a little bit less of him offensively, and it makes him worth bringing back if you can get him for a team-friendly deal. Lastly, do you think that... Aaron Judge could be a Houston Astro. No shot. <laughs> no shot. And the reason I say that is because 
uh, Aaron Judge, he's going to win the MVP, which he should. Jim Crane doesn't give out long-term contracts. I think the longest he gives out is six years. Aaron Judge is going to want, you know, well-deserved. He's probably going to command somewhere between seven and ten, eight to ten years contract, a, a, a bunch of money. I just don't see the Astros wanting to commit to any player for over six years. That's fair. That's fair enough. Brian Lalima of Apollo HOU joining us here for the final to the moon of the regular season. Brian, we appreciate you guys taking the time each and every week throughout the season. Take a couple months off, and uh, when when the when the year turns to twenty twenty three, we'll uh, we'll do it again. Yeah, man. Hey, I, I really appreciate it. Uh, you know, you guys are are uh, a lot of fun to talk to every Tuesday, man. Can't can't thank you guys enough all the way through the season. Appreciate you, man. Y'all have a good one. Thanks. Tune in next week for another edition of To the Moon here on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. From the Louisiana Raging Cajuns to the latest with the New Orleans Saints and Pelicans, Miguez and Mesh cover it all. I'm not worried. Uh, I think it's something that I can get under control. Now back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Oh, it's a good feeling, all right. Couple minutes left in today's episode of Crunch Time. Gotta tell you about suit up. Whether gentlemen, whatever you need. I mean, I'm talking tuxedos, I'm talking suits, I'm talking dress shoes, I'm talking a blazer, a dress shirt, polos, southern marsh, whatever it is you need. You just need a tie to match for, you know, some event that you're going to, whatever it is. Suit up has it for you. Three locations to serve you throughout Southwest Louisiana in Lafayette on Ambassador Caffrey in New Iberia and now open in Lake Charles across from the Prion Lake Mall. They've got professional service, a great staff. They're going to measure you every time you walk into the building to make sure that you have a perfect fit and it looks great and all that good stuff. Once again, suit up. Three locations, Lafayette, New Iberia, Lake Charles. And when you go, James, what are you telling them? Miguez and Mess sent you. Atta boy. So, as you always should. As you always should. Wrapping up the poll question of the day, how do the Saints acquire their next quarterback? Hopefully it's by not sucking. Anyways, 62.5% say that they trade or sign a vet. 37.5% say they draft a rookie. Look, if we want to draft a rookie, absolutely stupidest Indubitably fantastic. You're going to have to give up way too much unless Sean Payton's ready to go into coaching. If Sean Payton's ready to go into coaching, you take somebody's first-round pick, you draft a quarterback, bam, bam, thank you, ma'am, you're done. However, if that's not the case, your first-round pick for 2023 is on your bench in the form of new left tackle Trevor Penning. That's your 2023 first round pick. You got to look at it that way. You got your first, you got your 2023 first round pick a year early. And for that, the Eagles, who are the best team in the NFL at the moment, are now going to have a top 10 pick to go along with that. Win the Super Bowl, get a top 10 pick. Who loses? Not Philly. Oh, wait. Yes, they do in baseball. Ha-ha. <laughs> because they can't win the World Series because the Phillies are pa 
That's going to do it for today's edition of Crunch Time. James, stop shaking your head at me. I want to thank our guest, Brian Stone and Brian Lima. It was the Brian Show today. Look at that. We'll do it again tomorrow. Jay Walker joins us for Cajun's Corner, and we're going to do Who Dat Wednesday tomorrow as well with Brendan Ertle. That'll be fun. For James Mesh, I'm Matt Miguez. Be safe, be well, hug your mom and them, and we'll see you tomorrow, same time, same station. What station, you ask? Well, it's the game, 103.7 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. It is Southwest Louisiana's sports station, and it is your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. The Zach Gelb Show. Actually, Tiger Rag Radio is up next. I found the place to shop Black Friday. Holes.